0: What is up, what is up, oh my goodness, hello Ingrown Folks Business family, thank you guys for tuning in, I cannot believe we're on episode three, it's like the time is literally racing by, Uh, many of you asked me where was episode two honey and let me tell you, I deleted it honey, okay, many of you listened to it before I deleted it which was so irritating to me because I hated that episode, I'm not gonna lie, I hated it because I felt like it was just so unimportant. Um, I stand by what I said. I think I was correct. It was about the dehumanization of famous people and why celebrity culture is toxic. But I just didn't feel like it needed to be a podcast. I felt like I could have tweeted it and and that could have been that. It could have been a tweet and go. I felt like I was dragging it out. So I deleted it and I just redid a new topic on my Instagram live. So if you go to Ingrown Folks Business on Instagram, I have there posted a live, which I covered um the people of color uh phrase and why I don't consider myself a person of color. So if you're interested in that, go look for it. Let's have a combo. Um I'm very interested in you guys' thoughts. But with that being said, this episode, episode three, is a lot. Um it was it was very hard for me to, to get through it. So honestly I'm recording this intro post episode because um It's a really deep episode. This episode is entitled episode three, My India's episode, grief, mental health, and healing. Um, As many of you know, My India was a friend of mine for a long time and she tragically lost her life in March of 2019. Um, It's been a hard journey, really, dealing with coping with that loss, really hard. And this week was her birthday. August 12th was her birthday and my India was such a birthday girl honey. Okay. All month you had to hear it was it's Leo season. Leo, 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 Leo. She was a proud Leo. So just it being her birthday and me not being at a party right now is a lie. It's hard. Um and it makes me sad. But also I find joy in reminiscing on the good times I did have at her parties. Which I will be doing today, just going through some old videos and some old photos and, you know, stuff like that. But this episode is really about exactly what I say. It's about grieving. It's about mental health. It's about healing. Um, And I just really hope that something resonates with you today. So with that being said, thank you for tuning in. Um, I hope you like it. Please leave some feedback on Anchor. You could leave a voice note if you want to do that, do that. If you want to... DM me, you can do that, if you want to email me, you can do that, but just let me know if you took anything from this episode, um, because I did want to do more, a few more mental health-focused episodes, being that I'm an aspiring therapist, obviously not all of them, but I wanted to do some more, and if it's something you guys want, let me know, so I can put out more content like that. Um, with that being said, let's get straight into it. So here you go, here is my latest episode, Grief, Mental Health, and Healing. So, I want to start just by talking about my India. Um, My India was everything. She was soft, she was strong, she was kind, she was down, she was crazy, everything in one person. She definitely was a force, a ball of energy, a ball of fun everything um it's crazy how when you look back and realize the tiny amount right of time that you really had with somebody no matter how long that time is it really never seems to feel long enough um Me and my India were friends from the time I was 13 until the time I was 21 and she was 20. Um, We met through a mutual friend of both of ours. So our mutual friend was both of our best friends. So she was my India's best friend and she was my best friend. And she is the reason that we met. That was in seventh grade, I think. Um, So originally the friendship was just like, you know, me and my India going to the mall, me and my India getting ice cream, going to the movies, you know, just like hanging out as young teenagers. But as we grew, as we got older and as we matured, the relationship became a genuine, real friendship. We spent a lot of time talking about a lot of stuff, a lot of, a lot of real stuff, a lot of real life we experienced uh, together, the three of us. And when she passed away, it literally felt like the end of an era, right? So every birthday since maybe 16 to 19, my India and our friend, my former friend, we had sleepovers, you know, every day after or every time after my birthday party, excuse me, just like three-way phone calls, you know, meeting up for lunch, like, we were just, like, always having a good time together, but, like, always together, you know, and especially birthdays, like, birthdays were the thing, you do not miss so-and-so's birthday, you do not miss Mayina's birthday, you do not miss my birthday, it was just a big deal for us, and we were just really connected in that way, and so, when she passed away, it literally felt like the end of an era, like, I remember thinking, like, What am I going to do on my birthdays now? You know what I'm saying? Like there's not going to be any of my India in the house, staying up late, being loud, you know, talking crazy, you know, what are we to do now? Really? So, uh, when I found out my India passed away, one of my friends called me and told me, and I'm really grateful for that because had she not, you know, I don't know how long it would have taken for me to find out but she called me for that purpose, you know, so that I didn't have to wait, you know, days to find out. So she called me the night that it happened. And, um, I remember that night, me and my former best friend, we were not on good terms. We hadn't been speaking for, I don't know, maybe a year or two, but I immediately called her because she was my India's best friend. Um, long story short, we ended up kind of just squashing whatever issue we had for my India. So we were going to the hospital together. We were up late nights talking about, you know, just stories of my India and just like, you know, praying for her. I mean, the whole thing. And when my India passed away and we went to the service, um, I think that that's when I realized that whatever we thought we could potentially salvage of our former friendship, I realized it wasn't gonna happen. And the reason was that I realized I was grieving two things. I was grieving my India and I was grieving my previous friendship with the person who introduced me to my India. And so it was overwhelming because as I said before, it was like the end of an era, like just like my a whole huge chunk of my life is now done right at the same time so me and this former friend like I said I tried to fix whatever we could have discussions and it just wasn't going to happen and I just felt like I cannot personally grieve something else you know I have to grieve my India I don't want to because I want her to be here but I have to grieve her. So I don't want to grieve you too. Right. I don't want to grieve this friendship too. So for me, I just cut it off. I just did it. Like instead of sitting down, having an adult conversation about, Hey, maybe we could fix this. Or if we're not going to fix this, you know, let's move on with grace or kindness or whatever. I just did it. I couldn't do it. It was too much, honestly. So I look back now and I realize where my mistakes were, right? And I'm constantly, I was constantly thinking like, why did I do that? Because me, like, I like to have conversations. That don't mean you're not going to get caught off. That doesn't mean I'm not going to cut you off. That means that I need to have a conversation. You know what I'm saying? And for me to just be like, psh, did it, is not really like me. You know, you have to really make me mad. And I wasn't really mad at that person. So I was trying to figure out why I did that. And I realized now that I was grieving. And I was telling myself that I was doing a lot better than I was. And that, that faking it is what I thought was helping me get through it. But instead, it was coming out in other ways, right? So I was like lashing out. I was lashing out at the girl who, the friend who told me that money to die just because somehow, some way, I wanted it to be her fault because I just didn't want it to be real, you know. Or, like, I was just mad at the former friend just because, like, ugh, honey, grief is crazy. So, I was just angry and I was just bottling it up and I just felt like nobody understood. I just felt like people were expecting me to hold it together and I just was mad. I was just mad and I was just angry. So I went to my therapist, shout out to therapy, shout out to her therapy as a whole, because I put myself in therapy as an adult. But when I went to my therapist, uh, she explained to me, you know, what grief looks like, right? So I want to talk about the five stages of grief. Um, As many of you know, they don't always have to be in order. I think a lot of people are under the assumption that they are one, two, three, four, five, but sometimes it's two, three, one, one, two, three, four, three, two, five, you know? So keep that in mind as well because I definitely had a lot of different stages that I was going in and out of. Um, Denial was my best friend, though. Denial is number one and she was my best friend. You know, to me, my Indy was on vacation. That's how I got through about the first two months, honestly. Um, but a lot of people sometimes can become comfortable in one of the five and stay there longer. So the five stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So, um, these stages came from a Swiss psychiatrist and she actually developed them, for people who were experiencing like illness, right? So people who were experiencing cancer or just a life-threatening, fearful, uh, scary, whatever. That's what it was about. But then it was later adapted for loss. Um, That was Dr. Kubler-Ross, by the way. So when you talk about bargaining too, I want to talk about bargaining because bargaining is not just about what if. It is is what if sometimes. It is what if, or if only I had done this, blah, blah, blah. But psychologists see a lot of times in people who have a faith, right? In a higher power of some sort will also bargain with that higher power to help them to feel better. So like if, for example, telling the higher power, if you take this pain or this grief or this sorrow from me, I'll do this. I'll do this if you take this from me. That's also very common as well. So I wanted to get into um, some stats really quick. I wanted to talk about some stats um, in regards to African-Americans and grieving. So according to mhnational.org, Uh, Historical adversity, which includes slavery, sharecropping, and race-based exclusion, translates to socioeconomic disparities experienced by Black people today. So why do I bring that up? Um, Because people with a lower SES, or socioeconomic status, have higher rates of mental illness. Right? They are now scientists are now linking socioeconomic status to mental health issues. Um, Also, black adults are more likely than white adults to experience feelings of sadness. I wanna talk about another study, a study uh, that was conducted by Ward, Wiltshire Dutry and Brown in 2013, showed that black people hold beliefs related to stigma, which in turn affects their coping behaviors. So I want to talk about, for a second, I want to talk about Christianity. I know that um, Christianity has a role in a lot of the lives of Black and African American people. Um, I think that we have this misconception that if you have faith, then you do not feel sorrow, right? Right? Because you have happiness, hope, and faith in God, and so if you don't feel those things every day, all the time, then you must not have faith, right? Um, but I don't believe that to be true. When we talk about in the Bible, this is for all my church folks out here. You know, I'm always going to take you to church for a second now. If you believe in the Christian Bible, right, and you believe in Jesus, then you believe that Jesus wept over Lazarus. We talk about Jesus wept being the shortest, you know, verse or scripture in the Bible, but nobody really talks about what it's about. And Jesus wept over his friend Lazarus because Lazarus died. And even though Jesus knew that he was going to raise his friend up, that he was going to wake him up, he still felt sadness and he still wept. And so when you think about the fact that the Bible says, there is nothing that we feel that God has not felt. Imagine what he felt in that time to weep over someone he knew he still himself was still going to wake up. So no, I don't believe that that you have to always be in a space where you are you know happy over the moon excited you know not feeling low of any kind especially when you're talking about the loss of someone's life you know now I understand that as Christians we have a blessed hope right we have a hope that we will see those people again that is not I'm not denying that, but what I'm saying is to deny yourself of natural feelings and emotions. Um, I, I personally do not believe it has any, anything to do with anything God has said, personally. Um, so I'm going to move on. I also want to talk about another part of the study from the same people where participants in the study were more likely to um, receive mental health services than acknowledging psychological problems. So, uh, let's do it. Let's let's do some more stats. A study appeared in February 2019 issue of Psychiatric Services showed that Black people are more often diagnosed with schizophrenia and less often diagnosed with mood disorders compared to white people with the same symptoms. Um, I also read a study about how black people, especially experiencing major depression, are more likely, which is a mood disorder, are more likely to be um, classified as being schizophrenic. If I find the info to that, I will link it with this. Now, mind you, they are diagnosed with schizophrenia even though they are offered, we are offered therapy and medication at lower rates in the general population. So you wanna talk about people already feeling some sort of shame, right? Or having a stigma towards something. Um, let's talk about it. You know, if if we have this feeling of shame or stigma towards mental health, mental illness, right? Just just grief in general, anything that has to do with feeling low, sad, bad, un- Anything that's not good, right? And you are already in a space where you feel uncomfortable acknowledging that that thing exists. And then you acknowledge that it does exist and then you get misdiagnosed, right? And then you get misdiagnosed and then you're not able to receive what you would need even for that wrong diagnosis. So can you imagine that fear with the people who are diagnosed with schizophrenia, who maybe just are experiencing major depression, but then they, because they have this stigma, right? There's this stigma on schizophrenia and mental illness. Then they associate schizophrenia and what they are told that they have with all of these huge, big, scary things. And then they are also aware that they are a part of a community that is not provided the tools to help them through, through that time, right? It's almost like, yeah, it kind of makes sense to want to just avoid it all You know, you're going to tell me I'm schizophrenic, but then you're not going to, I can't get no medicine. I can't get any medication, which, which we are told or shown, we are shown that people with schizophrenia have a harder time functioning in society without it. Can you imagine? So... I mean, I don't really want to play the blame game on black people. I don't want to say, you know, it's your fault that you didn't acknowledge mental illness. I think that a lot of things, everything that black people experience that's a hardship um, is on purpose. So I don't necessarily want to blame black people, but I want to make that known. I want to make that, I want to make that known. Um, it kind of reminds me of like the recycle sign. You know what I'm saying? It's like this happens, so then this happens, so this happens. It's just the little arrows. Um, you know, you want to get diagnosed, but then you're scared, but then you do, and then you do, and then you get told you have this, you know, mental illness that is potentially debilitating, but even though you're told that you can't get help, so you wish you never said anything in the first place. It's just a cycle. Um, I want to talk about the fact that anxiety, major depression, PTSD are all a part, um, well, they can all be a part of grief. They can all show up um, alongside grief. It's not abnormal to experience other forms of mental illness or to experience forms of mental illness during grieving. So anxiety right? I suffer from, I I deal with anxiety. Anxiety can look like hot to cold, right? Your temperature fluctuating up and down, up and down. It can be tingling in your legs or your arms, your extremities. It could be tingling in your head. You know, it could be impending doom. So you feel like, I don't know what it is, but something's about to happen right now. Something bad. I don't know what, I don't know what, I don't know what, and you can't turn it off. Um, Anxiety can make you restless, right? You might not be able to sleep. So you might have insomnia. Um, Let's talk about major depression. You know, you might overeat or not eat at all. You might oversleep or not sleep at all. You know, you might have thoughts accompanied um, by suicidal thoughts. You know, you might have PTSD. PTSD is, you know, so say that the person that you're grieving is someone you saw pass away, is someone that, you know, you were there, you were part of the situation whatever um yeah you can experience flashbacks you know you you can literally literally feel that you are in that place in that time again you can experience avoidance avoidance is a big part of being diagnosed with ptsd and that means simply you know if you're so-and-so died on peach street you will never you you, you try to avoid peach street you know what i'm saying or if this person died in the car you try to avoid a car, whatever. Avoidance is one of the key symptoms to diagnosing PTSD, but that's very normal for people who experience or, or see someone die. Um, so what do we do? I want to talk about healing. In order to heal, you have to allow yourself. To feel what your body is feeling. Um, I know that a lot of times it's scary. It is scary. Because you have all of these thoughts and all of these feelings. Oh, that's another thing. um, Anxiety and depression and PTSD. You can also experience intrusive thoughts, right? Thoughts that you're not thinking on purpose. Thoughts that you are not in control of. You just have a thought like, oh, milk, oh, black cows. I mean, it can be something as simple as that or it can be something as as heavy as having to deal with what you are really experiencing in your mental health. Um, That's very scary. So, yeah, you just have all these things that are just happening and you're out of control. Um, It's like, hello. You know, who gave you an invitation? Who gave you an invitation? You are not on the seating chart. Okay, you're not invited to this dinner. I'm trying to figure out how you got up in here. Intrusive thoughts, anxiety, depression. Who let you in? Okay, it's very scary. So I I never want to discredit the fact that it's hard and that it's a lot to deal with. But what I will say is the overall I can tell you all of these things you need to do. Right, because in reality, you got to break it up. You got to break it up. You got to break up the things that you have to do to get to acceptance. But the ultimate goal, the ultimate healer is acceptance, right? So my uh, therapist that I had, her name was Dr. Callahan. She was a godsend. And she talked to me through this process um, of losing my India and of experiencing my own form of PTSD from, from an illness that I acquired. And she talked about becoming friends, with your symptoms, becoming friends with your grief, becoming friends with your fear, becoming friends with your anxiety. And I remember thinking, okay, that's it. See, that's right there. Why people don't come to therapy because that sounds ridiculous and I'm not coming back. And she literally went on to explain if you're not friends with something, if you're enemies with something, right? You try to avoid them. You don't want to talk to them. You don't want them in your space. But the thing is, when when you're talking about feelings and emotions and mental health issues, you can't just avoid them. Just because you don't want them there doesn't mean they go away. Most of the time you don't want them there, but they're there, right? They done moved in. They're the cousin that done crashed and stayed for 30 days. You can't control it. So, in order for you to make peace with it, you got to make friends with it. When you see this thing, you got to call it out. Wow, that's what I'm feeling. I'm feeling anxiety. Also, the scariest part is a lot of times we're so uneducated that we don't even know what we're feeling. And that also is the scary part. What is this? You know, why am I rocking back and forth? I remember that happened to me once when I was experiencing high levels of anxiety. Uh oh. Now you know what I'm saying. You, I only seen rocking and serial killer movies. So I'm like, uh, di- hold on now, what is going on? You know, so when you're uneducated, it's very normal to feel scared. But when you start to pay attention, listen to your body, listen to yourself, and you can make friends with it, you can do anything. Honestly. I remember going from feeling like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening, but something is happening to me right now. I can't see it. I can't feel it. I can't hear it, but something is happening to me. And that was my impending doom for my anxiety. Now I'm like, oh, hello. That's anxiety. Nothing's wrong with me. I'm fine. You know what I'm saying? Now, does it necessarily make the anxiety disappear? No, but it helps the anxiety that comes from the anxiety disappear. So making friends with whatever you're experiencing, grief, mental health issues, whatever, is going to help in the long run, because not only will you feel more comfortable with that thing, it, you'll also feel more comfortable letting it go, right? It's not like a fight. It's not like a tussle, you know, like when you're fighting an enemy, it's a tussle, it's a fight, it's a battle. When you're fighting or letting go of, I guess, of something that you know, that you get, but you get, it's time for y'all to part ways. You can part ways a little bit more with, with a little bit more grace, right? And it'll be easier for you um, in the long run, honestly. So like I said, it's very normal and it's very okay to be scared. But you have to get to the point where you realize I think that we're also scared because, like I said, lack of education. Not only have we lacked education on, in regards to what these things are, but then where they come from, how long they stay, what's normal and not normal. And so for me, experiencing the amount of grief that I was experiencing over the loss of my India, I felt like it was abnormal. Like, is it normal? Like I said, denial was my best friend. Is it normal that, you know, she passed in March and in May, I'm still trying to tell myself she's on vacation. Is that normal? It's absolutely normal. And it's per person. Everything in this life is per person. So you can't compare your journey to someone else's or you can't even compare your journey to what you want it to be. You know what I'm saying? I absolutely believe that you can put in the work and absolutely believe that the work can pay off. But I believe that if you put in the work and the only hope is to get rid of this feeling, this one feeling that you're having or this one situation you're going through, it's not going to work. I really feel like in order for it to work, you got to get comfortable understanding that there's a root and you got to get to the root. You know, I was talking a lot earlier about Christianity and even if you believe in just the earth or whatever, you know, mother nature or energy or whatever, even if you just believe in that in nature, this is also biblical because the Bible talks about looking to nature. But even if you just believe in mother nature, energy or whatever, if you look to nature, nothing that needs healing gets healed by staying in the same environment with no change right? Like when you have a house plant and the house plant gets yellow spots or brown spots or whatever, like you got to nurture the plant, right? In order for that plant to heal and in order for that plant to thrive the way it's supposed to thrive in the environment that you've set it in, you got to alter some things. You got to change some things. You got to change the amount of water that it's receiving. Something has to change. You got to change the amount of light, right? That it's getting. Um, So you have to make changes and then you also have to get to the root. So if you're trying to, you know, work, tend the ground, it doesn't make any sense if, you know, the plant is dying to water the (laughs) petal. Like you water the root, you don't water the leaf, you water the roots. You get what I'm saying? So you got to get to the root, you got to get comfortable in understanding of how to get to the root so that when when you are put in these situations or when these situations arise where you are in, you know, in the middle of your grief, in the midst of your, your anxiety, in the midst of your depression, you are allowing yourself not only to feel those things, but then you're also allowing yourself the opportunity to heal those things. Um, you know, I talk a lot about how previous generations before us, mental health was not, was not a thing. You didn't talk about it. You know, you see it in movies. Actually, a lot of black movies, they will say, Oh, she's, she's tender. She's soft or, you know, whatever. Or or they'll say my nerves are bad. That's anxiety. (laughs) That is anxiety. Ain't nothing about, listen, that don't even make no sense. My nerves are bad. That's anxiety. So it's not something that you really hear or heard of and then because your parents didn't hear of it, well, you didn't really hear of it, right? And so now here's a bunch of people who don't know what they're experiencing, who don't know these emotions and who are probably uncomfortable, right? Because these things are uncomfortable, who are probably uncomfortable with these emotions and so then everybody is lashing out like how I was lashing out at the people that did nothing to me because I'm uncomfortable. So somebody has to come along and allow these these um, realities to be okay, right? I think one in every five Americans experiences um, mental illness, deals with mental illness. So we have to get comfortable with talking about these things. We have to get comfortable with feeling these things so that we know how Learning to help ourselves, but how to help others. And I feel as though you have to create a space, or if you want, let's say if you want to create a space where you feel as though your kids and yourself will be able to talk about mental health, grief, grieving, loss of a loved one freely, it's up to you to do the work, right? It has to start with you. And if you allow it to start with you, then you're allowing yourself to learn kindness towards yourself. Because if you're not allowing yourself to feel these things, what are you doing? Ultimately, you're just fighting yourself. You're just fighting yourself. It's funny because we feel like we're fighting against... I think even I said it a little bit uh, prior to this in the podcast. You're fighting these feelings or whatever. But ultimately, you're fighting yourself. If you are fighting all the time, you're fighting yourself. And that's why most people who experience mental illness are tired. It's an internal battle. So sometimes... You gotta surrender. Now, do I, do I mean surrender and lay down and die and give it on up? That's not what I'm saying. But I think surrendering in the, more so in the, in the in, as an in acceptance, as an acceptance, which is what I'm saying, it all comes down to acceptance. And acceptance, f- you know, funny enough, is the last stage of grief. So when you're grieving, you know, your failed relationship, when you're grieving, you know, your failed um, job or opportunity, it's so normal, it's actually expected to experience denial, anger, you know, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And so then when you get to acceptance, um, acceptance too can fluctuate. Acceptance too can fluctuate. You can accept this today and decide tomorrow that you are in denial and that this thing does not exist. So that's also common too. When you get to the place where you are at total acceptance, not only do you feel... Not only do you, you feel compassion for yourself. This is what I can say from my experience. This is not from any stats. This is not from any numbers. You can feel compassion for yourself because you went up against this thing, this thing, yourself, these internal feelings and battles. And you came out stronger. You came out knowing how to handle it next time, right? You came out understanding Um, things that you never got before. And with that comes growth, comes strength, comes healing, comes liberation. So I do want to say that that everybody who experiences mental illness does not experience it as a result of something. So in that case, there may be no root. But, for most of us, or a lot of us, there is a root. Um, so, like I said, you know, you take it in in segments because you got to get to the to the stuff in front of you as well before you can get to the root. I get that. Um, and it's no easy task. So you who who are doing the work, I am so proud of you. Um, because it's hard, it's hard to accept and acknowledge all of the things that maybe you are holding, that you didn't realize you were holding you know, the way, the reason why you act this way or the reason why you do this, you're now figuring out, sometimes it's hard. So shout out to you. Um Shout out to you. I see you. Um, With well, that being said, I think that's all I really want to end with today because I just feel like I packed on so much in this episode. I just, it was emotional. It's emotional for me, honestly. And I just feel like, okay, I said what I need to say. I'm sure somebody out there who's listening is emotional because it was a lot and I want to Let that be that. So thank you guys so much for sticking with me through this episode, for listening. This was a very vulnerable episode for me. I just want to leave you with a few things. If you have people out there who you can trust, who love you, who you feel safe with, friends, family, partners, spouses, please reach out to them because more times than not, they would prefer for you to reach out and to be upfront and honest about what you may need or what you're going through then for them to find out later um, in a more unpleasurable circumstance. So please do that. If you don't have anybody you feel comfortable with, please it um DM me, I'm sorry, on Instagram at ingrown folks business. My DMs are absolutely open. Absolutely. I also want to refer you guys that to the fact that you guys can hit up 211 or the NAMI helpline for help with finding free and affordable mental health services near you. So, the NAMI helpline is 1-800-950-950, I'm sorry. NAMI or that's 1-800-950-6264 or you can email them at info@nami.org. Um Yeah. Thank you guys so much. I do want to end, though, by just saying to my India, thank you, my, my, for all of the love, all of the support, all of the memories, all of the joy. There's so much joy. That's the only thing, honestly, that pulls me through is the joy, thinking about all the joy I experienced with my India. All the craziness, all the stories, all the loudness, all of it, I just literally, cannot even believe half of the things that we laughed at, went through, did, said, and I'm so grateful that I got to experience her in such a full capacity. Um, I also want to say I am not the only friend my India had. My India had a gazillion friends and I was just one of the few people who was blessed enough and lucky enough to witness um, her and her and her and all her greatness um i want to give a shout out to angie and i want to give a a shout out to her dad solly for just thank you for creating the most perfect person she just was everything and i just miss her and i love her so much i think of her daily um some days are easier than others you know some days i think of her and i smile or i'll look at videos and i'll laugh and then other days I am overwhelmed by the fact that this person who I knew for sure would be in my wedding would be a bridesmaid, you know, just is not here. Um, so yeah, like I said, healing is a, is a funny thing because you're never, you know, you're never really sure if you're healed from something or or not. But I, I'm at the point where I realized, no, I have definitely not reached acceptance and it, it may take a while and I'm okay with that. Um, I'm okay with missing my friend in the heaviest capacity for as long as I need to because that was my friend um so yeah with that being said thank you so much my India happy birthday you were the one of the greatest things to happen on this planet I love you uh thank you guys for tuning in and with that being said stay up stay blessed and stay in grown folks business bye y'all Mm-hmm.